This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saber, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about pistachios. Which I don't have a lot of experience <laughs> with this either. <laughs> Uh, well, this was a listener suggestion, was it? Yes. Yes. Okay. A couple of you have suggested it. Yeah. And when you, I think it's a, it's been a while since somebody suggested it because when you, you put it up there as like, well, maybe we'll do this one. I laughed out loud because it felt so out of left field to me. Um, <laughs> well, one of my best friends loves pistachios. Like if we go on trips together, that is the, the snack. snack. Uh huh. That and M&M peanuts. Uh, which, hmm. oh, yes, so good. Um, <laughs> which, after doing the research for this, makes sense because her family is from Iran. Um, and we'll get into that later. My co-host over on Sminty, Samantha, she has what she calls a graveyard of pistachio shells <laughs> in a tub on her desk. She, I told her we were doing this episode, and she went out of her way to explain the whole situation to me as to why this exists. And she was like, there are still pistachios in there. You just have to search through. Oh, you have to find them. Pawing through. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I really, I vividly remember those Stephen Colbert commercials for pistachios where he would like crack open his head and then there's a pistachio nut. Oh, what? No, I missed all of that. But okay, Stephen Colbert. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I I love a pistachio. I will say that they are a, a fairly frequent snack for me they're you know they're like a little bit on the pricey side I feel like they're like my like special occasion snack 
Yeah. Oh. But uh, but my my main association with them involves a shout out to my friend Topher Payne, who wrote this beautiful screwball horror drama stage play that's about like intra community LGBTQ bigotry and how damaging it is when bigotry is well-meaning, microaggression Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And it's just one of the most rompingly upsetting things I've ever seen. (laughs) And uh, the connection point here is is that it has just, like, the most romantic scene involving a pistachio farming conversation that could possibly exist on stage or page. Um, (laughs) uh, But... um, when when live theaters get back to it and uh and and if one near you puts up this show i definitely think you should look into it um the name contains a cuss word that i would not normally say on air but it is used uh in in, in the manner of all of this discussion about these issues it's called angry fags so yeah um highly recommend uh it is definitely uh not for not for little ones but um mm-hmm. but it is oh it's so upsetting and so good so anyway, I can't think about pistachios. <laughs> Rob thinking about upsetting that show. is a good. I can imagine flipping over like the playbook. <laughs> Roppingly upsetting. <laughs> Lauren Vogelbaum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Topher, that's that's for you. Uh, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, definitely a romance. Little pistachio farmer was not where I thought. This episode was going to go, but every episode is beautiful. It's like you're cracking open a pistachio. Right, right. Which is actually why I don't snack on them that much because, you know, I would never, I don't associate myself with laziness. But if I make this calculation that the effort is not worth the final product, then it's out. And I struggle with pistachios. (laughs) I don't know if I never figured out the method. I don't know. There's a there's it's, a real there's a real good trick for using once you get one open, you can use it to kind of pry, you can use half of one mm, of those to kind of pry open the rest. There's a trick. All right. Uh but but also you can look up videos online. It it also does help if you have nails, a little fingernails a little bit. So I do not. You do not. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um <laughs> but uh I actually like that they're a little bit difficult to open sometimes because I feel like it slows down my snacking mm. rate because otherwise I'm the like grab an entire handful of popcorn and try to fit it all into my face right. at the same time kind of girl. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I feel like I feel like that's a urge that I should curb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, popcorn. Popcorn is a different category. It is. Popcorn. It is. is like this movie is tense. Let me see how much popcorn I can shove inside my mouth. Uh, but anyway, we're not talking about popcorn today. We're talking about pistachios. We are. So, let's get to our question. Pistachios. What are they? Well, uh, the pistachio is yet another example of a culinary nut that is not botanically considered a nut. Ah! <laughs> how many, if I have a, a nut mix, how many of those are nuts? I feel like I've, my whole life, I've been lied to. I feel, I think it's very few. Very, very ah. few. But uh, it is, it is instead the seed of a type of fruit called a droop, 
And we've talked about other culinary nuts in this category. Yes, uh, cashews and pecans, um, as well as other droops like nutmeg and olives and peaches. And in some cases, like olives and peaches, a droop's fruit is what you're interested in. In others, it is the seed that's tasty. Um, and in the case of pistachios, you're, you're dealing with um, a, a fruit that has this, this thin layer of greenish-yellow to red fruit surrounding a stiff shell. Not quite papery, more like paperboardy, you know? A little bit, little mm-hmm. bit stiff, a little bit difficult. Inside that shell, the seed, um, as it matures, will grow larger and larger, filling the shell out as the season continues. And when they're ready for harvest, uh, the seeds will loosen inside of those shells, and the shells will uh, split partially open. Um, and apparently, whole orchards will split open over the course of a single night. And this is where wow. that romantic farming conversation comes in, because... The one character in the play is describing it as this shh kind of sound. Oh. And then all of a sudden you get all of these shh, 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 and it's really beautiful. Oh, that does sound lovely. <laughs> right? Ugh. Anyway, pistachio trees are smallish, growing to about 16 to 32 feet, and are uh, either male or female. And the flowers don't produce nectar, so they don't attract bees and other pollinators. Um, the pollen has to spread by by wind or by hand, usually by wind. These trees like long, hot, arid summers and cool winters. They're often planted close together for better pollination and use of resources. Um, so when the seeds mature and those shells split, they usually stay right on the trees and farmers will lay down tarps and then physically shake the trees to get the nuts to drop. The thin fruit is then rubbed away and the seeds are often... Um, roasted and seasoned and sold right in those creamy white shells. Um, This is one of the only nuts that you can season in shell, uh, which is why de-shelled pistachios are so expensive. The seeds themselves are covered in this uh, thin red to brown skin, which may be peeled off to reveal the lime green nut underneath. Very striking color. The trees are a member of the um, Anacardiaceae family, which means that they are related to mangoes, cashews, pink peppercorns, and poison ivy and oak, and poison what? sumac. <laughs> yep. Huh. Oh, poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> I got some bad memories of poison ivy. Oh, I am uh, lucky to have never had a poison ivy episode. Oh. But. Gotta get that calamine lotion. Oh, no. I've had so embarrassing. I've had <laughs> all kinds of bug stings, though, so I feel like I'm karmically balanced. You think? <laughs> I don't know. I will never forget one time I made a deal with a wasp. We had a deal, and he stung me right in the eye, like right here. <laughs> oh no! He flew at me. We had a deal, wasp. <laughs> going to let you live. <laughs> These untrustworthy wasps. I'm Heck. telling you. I'm telling you. I was like nine years old when that happened and I have not forgotten. Mm-mm. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it is well known that, that wasps are jerks. Uh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> we weren't even close to each That's what blows my mind. I don't want to get to this beef I have with the wasp. But he was far away. He had to come at me. <sighs> You know, you know, 
I still I still remember the the the, the B walk that they taught us when we were doing that video episode and we oh, visited yeah. a bunch of beehives for because we were talking about honey and uh, and they were like yeah sometimes bees are just attracted to the color of your shirt or your shampoo or something like or the scent of your shampoo so so just kind of you know walk in wobbly circles and eventually they'll get bored <laughs> and go away. <laughs> It was quite fun. <laughs> quite and I silly. think about that every time I see a bee. I'm like, do I need to initiate wobbly circles? <laughs> and, uh, initiate wobbly circles. And everyone around <laughs> you is like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, uh, pistachios. Um, not all species of pistachio trees produce uh, edible nuts or, or reliably produce edible nuts. Um, but some like the Pistacia chinensis, are planted as ornamentals due to the beautiful foliage that they get in the fall. They'll go all red and orange before dropping their leaves for the winter. Mm -hmm. Well, what about the nutrition? Uh, Pistachios are pretty good for you. They've got a lot of protein, um, even compared with other nuts, plus some fiber, a good spread of unsaturated fats, uh, lots of vitamins and minerals, a little bit of carbs too, so they will both fill you up and help keep you going. As with all nuts, they are calorically dense, so watch your portion sizes. Um, but in general, research has indicated that replacing like more processed foods um, with a controlled amount of pistachios can help reduce risk of stuff like cardiovascular diseases and diabetes, maybe even cancers and brain diseases. So I would say that overall incorporating them into your diet by replacing less healthy foods um, is a great a great plan or a great snack. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not unsure, unclear whether this was my data has been mined by Google or just a weird circumstance. But today I received an email. We get a lot of uh, like cold marketing emails for our oh, yeah. job. And I got one about the, the health of the pistachio. And it was like just... 50 bullet points. It was a lot. <laughs> I did not vet them for wow. veracity, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm also, you know, I'm not, I'm trying not to linger on this topic too much, but I'm getting angrier and angrier about this wasp thing because I remember I had, <laughs> I had a wasp nest in my room and I would wake up in the morning, I'd have like 30 wasps in my room and my dad would come in and we didn't kill them. We would get the little tweezers and let them out. And we were we were trying to be kind to the wasp. Why? All right. Um, <laughs> we do have some pistachio numbers for you. <laughs> we we do. We totally separate from unappreciative jerky wasps. <laughs> Sorry, I so just had to get that off my ungrateful. chest. Ungrateful. <laughs> no, Come no. On. I appreciate that. That twenty plus years later, this this wasp. Mm -hmm. is, you know, you know, you just don't, you just, you just, you just, you you hope for better. You hope for better from people and insects. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So numbers wise. (laughs) Numbers, numbers on pistachios. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, The United States and Iran are the world's largest producers of pistachios. Um, Yeah, they kind of go back and forth over who holds that. In 2016, the American pistachio industry produced over 900 million pounds of pistachios. And California is by far America's largest producer. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Production in the United States increased um, from 1977 with 4 million pounds to, yes, over 980 million in 2018. Mm -hmm. The United States uh, Agricultural Research Service in Davis, California, has a living botanical library, or at least did as of 2005, with over 750 pistachio trees from 10 different species and hybrids. I love it. I know, right? Oh, I want to go. I want to visit right now. Um, it uh, it takes trees about a decade to mature, a decade or two to mature. But after that, they can produce as much as 50 pounds of uh, hulled nuts per year. That's about 23 kilos. And uh, researchers with the University of California have called the pistachio the single most successful plant introduction to the United States in the 20th century. Which is amazing. Right? <sighs> yeah. And it happened, I mean, relatively recently, all of this in the United States. It did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we are going to get into the long history before that, plus the recent history of this, as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. 
and of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And I have more thoughts about Wasp. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> this is the Wasp show now. It's called Wasp Stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's just me complaining about wasps. About this one wasp. Yeah. Not even all wasps. Yeah. That punk. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Um, so, pistachios. Yes. Historians have gone back and forth about the origins of the pistachio tree. Uh, nowadays, they think that um, pistachios have been growing in the Middle East and or Central Asia for thousands of years at least. Archaeological digs in northern Iran and Uzbekistan revealed pistachio shells and settlements dating back to 1500 BCE. Remains of pistachios in Afghanistan and Iran are even older, going back to 6000 BCE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament mentions pistachios. And positively, nonetheless, as like a as like a, a rare gift. Yeah. Yes. Pistachios have a long history in what was Persia or modern-day Iran. The story goes that the Queen of Sheba was a big fan of them, declaring that all pistachios grown on lands she controlled belonged to her and those on her court. True or not, people have been eating them and using them for medicinal purposes for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Some records even indicate that they were sometimes viewed as a aphrodisiac. <laughs> I read that um, couples in Persia would perhaps sit under pistachio trees, and if they heard a nut cracking, yeah, that meant good fortune was in store for their relationship. <sighs> and now I'm like, is this where Topher got that from? Heck. Yeah, anyway. follow-up question. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alexander the Great brought pistachios back with him to Greece in 300 BCE. Greek philosopher Theophrastus described pistachios sometime around around that same time. He wrote of the pistachio tree that it, quote, bears nuts only as big as almonds, and they closely resemble almonds in appearance, except that the shell is not rough, and in savory and sweetness, they are superior to almonds. Uh-huh. Therefore, yeah, the people of the country use them in preference to almonds. And this comparison to almonds seems to have been a common occurrence in Europe. A 2nd century BCE Greek poem about plants that provide protection from scorpion stings, which I love that this is a poem. Uh Uh-huh. Why not? (laughs) Oh, I got some stories about scorpions, too. Pistachios were compared to almonds in this poem. And that was also the first instance of the word pistachio being used in the Greek language. In the first century CE, physician Dioscorides wrote about the medicinal benefits of pistachios. Under the reign of Roman Emperor Tiberius, pistachios made their way to Spain and Italy. By the first century CE, pistachios were in northern Africa and China. China started cultivating them in 10th century CE. Several written records out of Europe praised the taste of pistachios, and they all seem to indicate that they were primarily grown in Syria at this time. Or at least that's where the Europeans thought they were coming from. 
There are no records that the tree itself, at least in the commercial sense, existed in Greece until the 19th century, for instance. So a lot later. During the Middle Ages, with the spread of Islam and Arab traders, cultivation of pistachios grew, as did the market for them. Central Europeans called them the Latin penny nut since they arrived through Italy. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. At the time, pistachios could be quite pricey and were often used as a baking ingredient, like to really fancify your baked sure. goods. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. The first recorded pistachio orchard in Greece was established in 1860 in Athens. Pistachios were a popular imported snack in America in the 1880s. Middle Eastern immigrants in particular were big consumers of them. People could find them in vending machines, at bars or restaurants, and other spaces like that. Apparently, a common slogan for them at the time was, a dozen for a nickel. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) The first pistachio tree was planted in America by the USDA in 1904. And farmers did grow pistachios in the United States and California in particular, American botanist and so-called plant explorer William E. Whitehouse went to Iran to gather 20 pounds of individually chosen pistachios, about 10 kilograms, in 1930. He brought them back to California where he planted them. And yes, it took a decade for Whitehouse to see results. And unfortunately for him, only one of the nuts he'd chosen was successful. And he didn't know (laughs) what type of tree it had come from. He had picked it up from a pile of drying pistachios in the orchards of a well-known pistachio-growing family in Iran. So White House gave the tree the same name as a city near where he found the nut, Kerman. Through experimentation and propagating with tougher root varieties, the American pistachio industry was born. The popular byline of all of this is that the American pistachio industry traces back to one Iranian seed. Hmm. In 1977, White House received the very first Pistachio Association's Annual Achievement Buy It to Industry Award. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Pistachio plots spread through California in the 1960s, and soon after, pistachios were being grown in Arizona and New Mexico. By 1976, the American pistachio industry was producing 1.5 million pounds of pistachios. At the same time, Americans were snacking on 20 million pistachios imported from Iran, often dyed red to cover up any flaws, or perhaps the practice of dyeing them red started as a way to stand out. Uh, Fingers and mouths dyed red were a sign of a pistachio snacker. I've also heard as an alternative origin story for this that, um, that traditionally producers in Iran would brine whole pistachios with the fruit still attached And since it's a reddish fruit, that would partially dye the shell this pinkish-red color. Um, And so, therefore, some either um, uh, importers into America or American producers trying to do like a copycat product would dye their product red to reproduce that color. But Ah. mystery's history. Mystery's history. I have never heard of this, but I will tell you the internet informs me that some people are very nostalgic very nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. This was this was slightly before my time. I think I remember seeing red pistachios in stores, but like when I was very young, too young mm-hmm. to be like, I'm gonna get that pistachio. Right. So yeah. I feel like I've seen it in terms of like when the Christmas holiday comes around and it's red and green, everything I've seen, but I just assumed it was Christmas red for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. However, all of this um importing of Iranian 
pistachios came to a halt with the Iranian hostage crisis in 1979 and the U.S.'s subsequent full trade embargo on goods from Iran. American producers stepped in to meet demand, really jumpstarting the industry in the United States. That year, the New York Times published this quote, This California pistachio is brought to you courtesy of the Internal Revenue Service and the Shah of Iran. Wow. Yeah. Um, Once the U.S. reopened trade with Iran in 1986, American pistachio producers successfully petitioned the United States International Trade Commission to impose a 214% special import duty on unshelled Iranian pistachios. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. In 2008, yeah, it's high. <laughs> in 2008, the U.S. surpassed Iran as the largest producer, though, yeah, like I said, they kind of bounced back and forth since then. Oh, and then this growing popularity of pistachios made way for pistachio ice cream in the U.S., which is my brother's favorite flavor. And I read a couple articles. I don't really get, like, any official numbers, but said that a lot of people are introduced to pistachios this way in the United States through pistachio ice cream. I think that that was... I'm pretty sure that was my introduction to it. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Yeah. Still a <laughs> <Yeah>. fan. <laughs> Stepping back a bit, Australia's commercial pistachio industry kicked off in the 1980s. In 2015, NPR reported on a story around how a large number of California pistachio trees were, quote, shooting blanks, which means producing empty shells in some orchards. Up to 90% of the crop were blanks. Generally, yeah, generally a pistachio grower anticipates about 10% blank. So that was a huge jump. Drought, heat, and unusual weather uh, are believed to be the most likely culprits. And now, food heist. Yes. You really never know. (laughs) Love it every time. With the pistachio episode, but yeah. Um, the world's most prized variety of pistachio, the green pistachio from Bronte, Italy, are so sought after that during pistachio season in Sicily, the pistachio orchards are protected from thieves by police with a police helicopter on hand. Twelve per orchard in some cases. Police pistachio copters. This is great. <laughs> or, I, mean, I mean, <laughs> thrilling. I, I can't really place a moral qualification on that, but thrilling for sure. Definitely thrilling in terms of pistachios. Yeah. According to the BBC, one kilogram or 2.2 pounds of these unshelled pistachios could run you about 15.50 euros or $17.40, twice what the pistachios from the U.S. or Iran cost, earning them the nickname Sicily's Green Gold. They account for only 1% of global production, and 80% of that is exported, um, and they are a controlled designation of origin product. In 2009, thieves made off with about 4,600 euros worth of product in today's money, resulting in, yes, this police presence around the crop in harvest years, which is every other year, I believe. Yeah, it yeah. tends to be. Um, like like some other fruiting trees, pistachios, um, will have one really bumper year and then one kind of rest year. Mm-hmm. Aw, rest yeah. year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turkey also takes their pistachios very seriously. It's a key in the classic Turkish dessert, baklava. Due to civil mm-hmm. unrest and climate, the pistachio market for Turkish-grown pistachios can fluctuate wildly. But generally, the yield is relatively small and the price is high. 
This has led to pistachio thieves and even a so-called pistachio mafia and a pistachio black market. Adult male growers keep loaded shotguns nearby, and farmers and thieves have been killed in this. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, and uh, sort of going back to the NPR story that you mentioned, um, as with much of the produce that we discuss, yes, pistachios are having a harder time because of climate change. Um, many, many trees, not just pistachio trees, but many trees in general and other plants in general, need cool winters to trigger storage of nutrients and then a change from cooler temperatures to warmer temperatures in the spring to trigger blooming. Um, and when you don't get that, you don't get as many flowers. And and with some plants, like pistachios, you might get male and female trees blooming at different times, which is trouble. Mm-hmm. Researchers at CSU are working on ways to help farmers, like, wake their trees up in the spring artificially. And there are other efforts to breed new varietals of trees that can fruit without those cool winters. Um, you know, research is ongoing, but, you know, fingers fingers crossed. Yeah. Do what you can to help yeah. prevent climate change and preserve pistachios. Preserve pistachios. <laughs> That's a mm-hmm. fun word to say, too. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, once again, every time, I'm like, surely we're not going to be talking about police helicopters. About... <laughs> <laughs> But I guess so. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's, yep. Crime lives everywhere, even even in pistachio orchards. Even in pistachio orchards. Well, that's what we have to say about pistachios for now. It is. Um, and we do have some listener mail for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener... That was a fun one. That was exciting even for me. <laughs> did you startle yourself, Annie? I did a little bit. <laughs> oh, I am very easily startled, everyone. This is true. This is true, very. folks. I <laughs> detect no lie. <laughs> um, yeah, I recently dog sat for a friend of mine and I mean, every two minutes startled. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Woo. All right. Um, Devin wrote, I loved the most recent listener mail episode. And when one listener suggested Cincinnati style chili as an episode, my mind instantly started thinking of some regional dishes that are popular in my home of upstate New York. First, I don't think there's enough for a whole episode about salt potatoes, but I have some fun stories about these. They are small, round, white potatoes that are boiled in salt water and eaten covered in melted butter. Um, They are perfect for summer barbecues. As the story goes, back in the day in Syracuse, New York, a lot of Irish immigrants worked in the salt mines and would bring potatoes for lunch. When it came time to eat, they'd throw their potatoes in boiling water, but since they were surrounded by salt, it created salt water and thus salt potatoes. One last fun story about these. When I was in high school, I worked at a grocery store. Apparently, an out-of-state new hire in the produce department thought he uncovered a secret drug smuggling operation inside bags of potatoes, but it turns out that it was just bags of salt for salt potatoes. (laughs) 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 Secondly, this is a regional dish that I hate, and somehow it has followed me from upstate New York. This is specific to Utica, to Delaware, where I currently live, tomato pie. It looks like a rectangular pizza with a sprinkle of Parmesan cheese, and it is served cold room temperature. The first time I ever had it, I mentioned to my fiancé that I wasn't a fan, and I'd probably like it better fresh and warm so the dough isn't soggy, and he told me it was meant to be that way. Anyway, I would love to get to the bottom of how this abomination came to be (laughs) and how it's somehow (laughs) regional to two different areas. Lastly, my favorite, a garbage plate. 
These are most popular in Rochester, so whenever we go there to visit friends, we always get one. I'm not from Rochester, so my definition may be off, but to make them, you start with some sort of potato, hash browns, tater tots, or french fries, and some sort of pasta, macaroni and cheese, or pasta salad, and top them both with mustard, onions, a meat, chicken nuggets, hot dogs, or hamburger patties, American cheese, and top the whole thing with a meat-based hot sauce. They're really customizable, so that makes it a little difficult to nail down one definition, but the hot sauce is the key factor. They are absolutely a once-a-year type of meal, but they are amazing. At one point, the Rochester airport had, and it might still be there, a garbage plate restaurant, and we got those to bring on very long flights. <laughs> it was not a good idea. Uh. Thank you both so much for the pod. I love listening to it. I've even got my fiancé to love it as well. Side note, I was also able to get him to enjoy Sminty by way of Annie and her love for The Last of Us. He loves it so, so much, too, and he even likes Abby. Yes! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious that you say that because I, I no joke, got a, a message from my boss, and he was asking me if I could talk about this new segment we're doing, which is fictional women around the world for Stuff I've Never Told You. And I said, yes, but right now it's currently only an excuse for me to talk about The Last of Us because there's only been two of them. <laughs> and it's on two people from The Last of Us. Uh-huh. And he was like, are you sure you're not driving people away? And then you sent this email, Devin, and I sent it to him. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. survey of one, anecdotal <laughs> evidence. <laughs> so thank you for letting me have this moment. This yeah. Moment boss. No, that's wonderful. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And all those foods sound wonderful. They would, I love this regional stuff. I truly, truly do. Oh, oh, absolutely. Where, you know, you, you travel like like 50 miles away and you're like, where are all the garbage plates? And everyone there yes. is like, the heck is a garbage plate? But, oh, yes. yeah. I yeah. I am confused and delighted anytime that both potatoes and pasta are involved in the same dish. Yep. Um, and I want to try this immediately. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We're definitely going to have to make that happen. It, I, I do think it is a once-a-year type meal, but I want it. <laughs> I, yeah. So that once a year could be, like, very soon. <laughs> yes, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> EJ wrote, Thank you on that well-timed tamarind episode. In the Philippines, we use tamarind as a souring agent for soups called sinigang. Uh, Traditionally, the tamarind fruit and pods are boiled, then mashed to extract the tamarind flavor. Then a soup is made with meat, uh, pork, beef, or fish, leafy vegetables like water spinach, tomatoes, garlic, onions, green chilies, root vegetables, uh, taro and daikon, whatever other vegetables you have, okra and eggplants are quite popular too. Other souring agents can be used, such as guava, which is preferred for the fish version of the dish, and other sour fruits. The most interesting use of tamarind in our family is the chicken version of the sinigang uh, called the, oh goodness, I'm so sorry, my Tagalog is really terrible, sinumpalukang manok, or apparently literally, uh, tamarinded chicken. This version includes tamarind leaves and ginger to the usual garlic, onion, and tomato. However, my family throws in tamarind flowers, which we would pick off the neighbor's tamarind tree. Hey, those branches extend over a tiny creek and well onto our property, which is incidentally how we sometimes get mangoes as well. (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't have any pictures of it, and it might be years before I can go home again. Oh. Anyway, I'm currently listening to your Pokemon episode, and I just had to stop listening and write this email ASAP. 
Brock stew is likely the Japanese cream stew, uh, quite common to be made with store-bought roux and just thrown in vegetables and meat. Oh, and by the way, do not go to the Pokemon Cafe. For food, at least. The food is not very good at all. I went with my partner for Valentine's 2020. I thought it would be a cute thing to do. I didn't expect it to be great. Um, But what I didn't expect was for the main dish, the Pikachu omelet rice, to be grossly less than satisfactory. Oh, no. You're probably familiar with omelet rice, um, the rice dish wrapped inside an omelet. Uh, Like the cream stew, it's another prime example of yoshoku, uh, Western-influenced cuisine, and Japanese comfort food. The ketchup rice version is especially popular with children. Now, I've had so-so omelet rice before, but the Pikachu one was definitely kid-sized. In hindsight, I should have known. I'm a largish guy with a hefty appetite. Uh, This might look like a lot but it's not. Those Pikachu ears on the plate extending outwards give you the illusion of size. But remember, that's not usable space. (laughs) It has a lot of other things, but they're tiny, like a baby's fist. And they're essentially microwave bento items that one would find in the frozen food section. And that egg! The egg was so thin and dry. It was like um, aburage, fried tofu for um, inarizushi. I think I'm saying those words right. He continues, aburage is great. Mind you, I just don't like my eggs that way. If you really want omurice, the viral video omurice restaurant in Kyoto, Kichikichi, is actually pretty good. Expensive, but it's like a dinner and a show. Reservations must be done a month or two in advance, though. Speaking of dinner and a show, Pikachu showing up to do a little jig and pose for pictures won me over. I mean, how can you resist that? So if you must go to the Pokemon Cafe, avoid the Pikachu plate. I found the Snorlax food coma slash nap lunch plate as I like to call it, to be a better deal. Or stick to the desserts and parfaits. Those were good. You will need a reservation, which you can do in English at the website, but pre-pandemic, you had to reserve a month in advance for the Tokyo branch. The Osaka branch seemed to be less crowded as I was able to make a reservation a couple of days prior, and I even saw some open slots during the off hours. The better video game-related dining experience is the Kinopio, which is Toad's Japanese name, likely a portmanteau of the word Kinoko, which means mushroom, and possibly Pinocchio. Um, Yes, the Kinopio Cafe in Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Japan in Osaka. Because it was my birthday weekend, we tried a lot of the dishes available, and they even got me the Princess Peach Cake, which was a sponge cake with fruits. It was great, uh, but I do slightly prefer the unbirthday cake at Tokyo Disneyland. I love this. Wow. That is a treasure trove of information. Thank you. I know. I know. And probable mispronunciations. I'm so sorry. My Japanese (laughs) is rusty. My Tagalog has always been awful. So I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Well, I'm often a terrible co-host. And I'm like, this is the one I'll get for Lauren to read. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I do that to you with French words. I'm just like, Annie can take this section, right? Right. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) I love how many of... So much letters about the Pokemon episode. (laughs) A lot of you wrote in about Brock Stew. Esma or Esme, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I have heard about it. I love this love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If if y'all couldn't tell, we had way too much fun doing that episode. So we are Mm -hmm. glad that y'all had a fun time listening to it as well. Yes. That's very, very fun. Very strange, but fun. (laughs) Real weird. Real weird. I don't think I've recovered. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, well, thanks to those listeners for writing. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.